listening to Hope for Today Church podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to church. So glad you're here today and also those who are joining us virtually as well. Um, We're going to start a new series uh, today and it's called Into the World We Go. Into the World We Go. You like that? (laughs) Into the World um, We Go. We're going to begin in Acts uh, 13. And uh, in praying and deliberation in time of the, of the Spirit, I uh, just feel like encouraged and emboldened in the Spirit um, to push the envelope a little bit, to challenge you a little bit. And as I share, as I speak, as we, um, as we lean into Scripture, that I'm also preaching and speaking to myself um, also. You know, as we look to the Word of God... We're going to explore a profound truth that may get your back up at first. But as we allow the scripture to inform and formulate our soul, remember the soul is the deep seat of our mind, will, and emotions, we will then come to understand and gird ourselves in understanding there is no advancement for the gospel without opposition. No advancement for the gospel without opposition. Ephesians 6, 11 says, put on the former of God so you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. This Darkness, the cosmic forces of evil, spiritual forces at the beck and call of Lucifer, the devil, the enemy of our souls, the one who stands in complete opposition to us in our position that we have in Christ. And even greater, those who do not share in that inheritance, who do not share in that position. And so they are under constant opposition as we move into areas and territories of the enemy. Moving forward, Despite the confrontation is what we're called to under the guiding power of the Holy Spirit. And so let's turn to uh, Acts chapter 13. And as you turn there, I want to offer a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the clarity that our struggle is clear. Lord, we thank you just as you booted Satan out of heaven and Lord, his end is certain the Lord in the here and the now, we thank you for your grace that moves upon us and guides us to have victory over him. And Lord, as we look to the word, we pray we would be moved like our brothers and sisters of old in the faith to walk confidently before you by the power of your spirit into our world for the sake of those who are hearing the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. In Acts 13, as we read here in a moment, we're going to witness a powerful demonstration and interaction 
that Paul and Barnabas faced while spreading the good news. Here we see in in 13, as they begin their first missionary journey, they come up against a great opposition, a sorcerer by the name of Elnamas. And as they create these inroads and outlets for the gospel to be spread, there would be those who would seek to rise up against them. And as we get into this passage, think of the word advance for a moment. Point number one, the call to advance. Advance means to proceed, to move along, to push on, to forge ahead, to gain ground, approach, to come near, to move forward, to press on, to push forward. Acts 13, 1, it says, Now in the church of Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manen, and a close friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. From there, they sailed to Cyprus. And arriving in Salmis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. They also had John as their assistant. And when they had traveled the whole island as far as Paphos, they came across a sorcerer, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man, And this man summoned Barnabas and Saul and wanted to hear the word of God. But Almas, the sorcerer, that is the meaning of his name, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul away from the truth of faith. But Saul, also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, stared straight at Almas and said, You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery, you son of the devil and enemy of all that is right. Won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? Now look, the Lord's hand is against you. You're going to be blind and you will not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and darkness fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then when he saw what had happened, the proconsul believed because he was astonished at the teaching of the word. Here we see Paul and Barnabas representing this this genuineness to go out into the corners of the world, the respective corner, regardless of the obstacles they would face in order to get the gospel out. And what helps is this clarity of what the gospel is. The gospel is the old English word for the more recent good news. The idea of this good news speaks to God's love. The God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But that this prophesied son would have victory over sin and evil. And that through faith in him, he would rescue his beloved people from both the accusations and works of Satan the devil. And adopting all through faith into his family. That's the good news. It's not by works that you enter into that family. It's by faith in what Jesus has done. And so Paul and Barnabas understanding being that side of the resurrection and that of the cross, he says in Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else, 
For there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Remember that part, the must be saved. It's not just some cute statement. It is a command, must be saved. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you needed any other clarity, if there was any what ifs, in Romans 3, 23 to 24, for all have sinned, yes, you and you, yes, everyone here in present company has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we are equally justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Does that not give you peace? Paul and Barnabas encountered this peace but they weren't willing to keep it to themselves. They knew the call and how important their purpose was and out of love for God and his very commandment to go into the world that included the great commission, they were willing to move forward despite the opposition that they would face. Jesus said, the one who has my my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him also and reveal myself to him. In this interaction that Paul had with this sorcerer, they realized it was revealed that God was true, the one true God. And that was the sign of him being struck with blindness. We cannot expect to fulfill this great commission in our time without encountering some sort of resistance. Do you think the reward of people coming to the family of God is worth the inconvenience and the challenge? You know, I've been called every name in the book. Even since we began having this online presence, you wouldn't believe the comments you know, the attacks, but I consider it uh, as not a loss because people are hearing the good news. People are coming into the family of God. Just last week, a dear daughter gave her life to Jesus. Angels in heaven rejoice over even the one. There's gonna be inconvenient Resistance here, Matthew 10, 11, 10, it says this, this is the one about whom it is written. See, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no greater than John the Baptist has appeared, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence and the violent have been seizing it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. You know, this verse is often interpreted in many ways. And some believe it signifies the kingdom of heaven under attack by evil forces. And others would see it as a depiction of God's forceful advancement against evil. And both are right. Both are true. But for here in the now, regardless of that interpretation, it conveys to us a present and clear reality of both sin and evil in the world and the call upon us to both resist and move forward with the sense of urgency for the sake of those who don't know Christ. 
And so here we see in Acts 13, as Paul and as the assembly of believers in Antioch are praying, aligning themselves with the very purpose of God, the Holy Spirit speaks and says, set apart for me Barnabas and Paul. I have a purpose for them. How do we go about winning those in a loss of relationship with Jesus? I believe that Paul and Barnabas showed us some of these first steps when they entered out into the mission field. Walking point number one is this. Listen for the Holy Spirit to move you in creative ways to win individuals. Listen for the Holy Spirit to move you in creative ways to win individuals. Sometimes that means you're going to have to point out deceit. You're going to have to point out non Truths. There are some who think that Christianity means there'll be no confrontation. Confrontation just means opposing views. There are healthy debates, opportunity to share and speak truth. And so the Apostle Paul actually told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, he says, although I'm free from all and not anyone's slave, I've made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law, like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, to win those under the law. To those who are without the law, like one without the law. Though I am not without God's law, but under the law of Christ, to win those without the law. To the weak, I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I may be every possible means, but by every means possible to save some. Now I do all of this because of the gospel so that I may share in the blessings. And I love how he points this out in verse 24. Don't you know that the runners in the stadium all race, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way to win the prize. So there's on the one hand, Paul was running. He has his life set after the Christ Jesus. His faith is in him. He says, my life, I know who it's entrusted to. And I'll receive from him on that day, that glorious day, that crown of glory. But the prize also for Paul was for the, those who did not yet know Jesus Christ. Those who were predestined to know him. And he was running that race also. That incredible prize to become all things to all men so he might win some. Paul's explaining, he's showing us that sometimes you have to adapt your approach and how you share the gospel. Cultural context is important. And yet, as he reaches out, as we see here in this interaction, he never once compromised his faith in order to relate and effectively communicate the message of the gospel. Sometimes you can go into places and houses of worship that have thought, in order to win some, I have to become completely like those I'm trying to reach. But that's a falsehood. That's to see, that's a trickery of Satan. To, to win a prostitute, you don't become a prostitute. To win a, win a thief, you don't become a thief. As simple as to win a liar, you don't become a chronic liar. Adapting, shifting, moving, 
Even Paul saw his very Jewish name as a potential hindrance, and so he adopted a nickname, a good Greco-Roman name of Paul, so that he wouldn't be a further hindrance to the people. In order to get the conversation going, could you imagine just the icebreaker for a moment? Some people say you're, you're Paul, but you go by uh, Saul, but you go by the name of Paul. What's that all about? It's a conversation starter. It's an icebreaker. Are we willing to adapt? Are we willing to try different methods without compromising our beliefs? Flexible and sensitive without compromising the truth. You know, I get myself in trouble here. There are many assemblies and denominations in the world that meet and are so desperate to fill their pews that they take on banners of different lifestyles that are completely contrary to the word of God. And they wave it and say, all are welcome here. To say all are welcome, you don't need to fly the very thing that flies in opposition to what the word of God declares. God is calling us, setting us apart, a people of his own pet possession to be separate from the world, to be in the world and not of it. And so he will, like Paul and Barnabas, set aside, even in our own assembly, people with a mission to a locale and with the resources to best resist the opposition and reach the one that is on your heart. And prayer and fasting is a big part of this. We see here in the assembly, it says the believers were together and they were worshiping the Lord. They were fasting and praying. And this is so important because they ever embarked on their missionary journey, they were aligning themselves with God. It's in prayer, it's in fasting that we come into God's purposes and we're also provided the strength to continue on. What I love about Sundays is it's a prep rally, if you will, where we gird ourselves for the week, where we're challenged on the very meat of scripture that says, this is what God looks like. And this is what he's called you to and how to live your life in the world. It's like a master painting on the wall. There's no counterfeit in scripture. But you look everywhere else, man's written decrees and truths and created order. It's counterfeit trickery and sorcery. And so as they pray and as they fast, the Holy Spirit moves in their midst and he speaks, set apart from me, Paul and Barnabas. You know, as we pray and fast, I said that it aligns as it prepares us. In Colossians 3, 1, we're told this, since you've been raised with Christ, seek, uh, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Set your mind on things above. That is what the practice of prayer and fasting is all about. 
Think of prayer fasting another way. You know, it sharpens our awareness and our effectiveness. Just as a soldier on a battlefield hones his weapons at his disposal, that through prayer and fasting, we prepared ourselves, we gird ourselves to go into the areas the Holy Spirit is calling us into. It's like a master playbook. I brought myself a football here today. And there's something in the game or something happening tonight. <laughs> and so the coach, in many respects, like the Holy Spirit. And he's going to call, you know, at the line of scrimmage. He's going to give the quarterback a play. They're going to seek to execute in order to, you know, gain that yard, get the first down, and ultimately win the prize, the touchdown, and then win the big game. In many respects, Paul and Barnabas, through the uh, outpouring and being filled with the Holy Spirit, they were prepared and ready to go the offensive line on the island of Cyprus. And then when they came toe to toe, right in that moment, it said that Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, stared straight into the eyes of Almas and said, and he declared truth of who this man really was. You know, as we move together as the people of God, Team Jesus, if you will, into the areas the Spirit of God calls us into, facilitating and fostering roads for the hope of the gospel be, to be spread, the enemy is going to fight back. He has his defensive line, but we can't be deterred. Paul and Barnabas were set to face the opposition. And they show us clearly here today that the God that we serve is greater than any sorcery. There are spiritual forces. That is a reality. If you came here today and didn't realize that there are spiritual forces of work of this darkness, well, I'm sorry, it's true. But we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to cower away in the corner because our, our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the strong man who tied up Satan, who defeated him. Thank you, Jesus. Apostle Paul says, for this reason, take up the armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand, stand therefore with the truth like belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with the readiness of of the gospel of peace. And in every situation, take up the shield of faith with his, which is with you to extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. And right before he declares all that in verse 10, he says, it's the strength and power of God they are able to accomplish all of this. It's his grace at work. And you think of it like this another way. You are like a lighthouse in the darkness. In the midst of a world engulfed by that darkness, there's rocks and all these jagged things, the trickery of the enemy. You, by the power of the Holy Spirit, are revealing those trickery snags that are seeking to, to grab people, to grip people, and lead them down to the pit of hell itself. But you are that very light that guides people to the straight paths of the Lord. And sometimes when you have conversation It'll involve speaking to the enemy, revealing truth, revealing falsehoods, both situations, relationships.
And with Paul and Barnabas, it shows here in verse 12, the beautiful fruit of this perseverance. Look at verse 12, it says, then when he saw what happened, the proconsul believed because he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now we know that the sorcerer was struck with blindness. And I think Paul was able to relate to that on a personal level because at one point he too was blinded. And the Lord used it as a sign against Paul to get his attention and eventually led to repentance and Paul's sight was restored. Now we don't know what happened with this, this uh, bar Jesus, but what we do know is because of all the events that transpired, it says that he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. It wasn't that the sorcerer's eyes were blinded. It was the teaching of the Lord. So we can believe that in that moment and shutting down the opposition, Paul continued to share the gospel truth. And there was fruit. This serves as a powerful reminder to us that when we remain steadfast in the face of opposition, God can use us to bring about his kingdom purposes. And so as I close here today, think of this. You got the ball. You are carrying the very presence of God. The good news is in your hand. The difference is with a football, you put this hand in, well, football in my hand. I'm not leading any team to a championship. In the hands of Patrick Mahomes or Purdy of the 49ers, it's quite possible. But the beautiful piece here is Paul wasn't the only one that had the resource of heaven at his disposal. Each one of us, because we're in Christ, we had the very provision of heaven with us. And I believe as I was preparing today, the, the final takeaway for us here is this. There's a time to huddle in prayer. There's a time to fast, to prepare, to armor up, to renewal, to refuel, to hear fresh direction, whatever you want to call it. But then there's a time when you have to get out of the huddle and you have to get to the offensive line and execute the play. What does the Lord put on your heart? What has he asked you to speak and to whom? Sometimes those conversations will be difficult, but the Lord is with you. I've been, in, I've been in situations myself facing evil spirits where they even called themselves by name and were able to bar them in the name of Jesus without dressing it up. God is going to use you to pave inroads of an opportunity to ignite hope in people's lives. And the truth is seeds can't be planted. The gospel can't be spread if we turn away at the first sign of opposition and conflict. So rather than flee as a team, we come to the places and spheres of influence the Lord has called us to and we collectively move with the vast strength of God who is with us in order to sow those seeds. And it says, scripture promises us, in due time, there will be a bountiful harvest. So I wanna encourage you not to be concerned about the numbers here today. Don't let that dissuade you. There's a, a beautiful harmony here in this place, people that love Jesus, 
desire to be moved by the very word of God, to be built up and have a strong foundation. But I believe in the coming months, the Lord is calling us to step forward and to step out. Ron, I invite you to come and offer a word of prayer. And in that time of, of trusting, think about a farmer for a moment. When farmers plant and when they sow, they do so no matter the adverse weather conditions. You know, that though the winds may blow and the rains may fall, they continue to sow knowing also that they will see a harvest. Doesn't come all at first. But like them, as we sow these seeds, as we trust in God's faithfulness, he will bring about that bountiful harvest in his perfect time. But we need one another. When you watch the game tonight, very practically, there is a Super Bowl party at my house. Kickoff was 6.30. You're going to look and see the quarterback isn't doing it all by himself. He may very well win the MVP, but it's a team that wins the championship. Together, we are a team. This week, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through time of prayer and through time of fasting. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities that you've given me. Or this maybe some other areas that you're calling me to individually and within your assembly. There are so many opportunities God's going to speak to you. And I believe he's going to speak to us right now. So I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes, even those who are joining by other means. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that as we look to this account of your servants, Paul and Barnabas, and, and Lord, how so they, they so authentically believed in you, but stepped out because they did believe in you. And Lord, in their faithfulness and their obedience, you moved through them mightily. You reached an entire island, a governor. Father, we believe that you are still moving and in our midst. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I thank you for those who are here today and joining by other means. As we open ourselves to you, Lord, would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit? Empower us to both resist the opposition of the deceit and trickery of the enemy, but also to confidently move to the, the line, so to speak, and to proclaim your truth, the good news, that Jesus, you had died the death that we deserved. And that because of what you accomplished, we're justified simply by faith in you. Help us, Lord, to adapt, to shift and move in ever-changing culture without compromising your truth. May our lights shine ever more brightly. Help us to encourage one another, pat each other on the back, lift one another as one of, it, one of us fall and falter. And Lord, even in times when we're faithless, 
we thank you, Lord, as your word declares that you are faithful and that you do not disown yourself. We are in you. We are secure in 